0: You're listening to Q&A Over Coffee. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for obtaining accounting, tax, or financial advice from a professional accountant.
1: Welcome to Olson Thielen's Q&A Over Coffee. We are happy to have Zach Dayall back with us today. Um, my name's Tom Pesh. I'm your host. Zach is one of our tax directors in Olson Thielen's tax practice. He works with us a lot on the closely held businesses relative to the pass-through entity tax. And just to give an introduction on that, that's a piece of legislation that was dropped by Minnesota legislators as a workaround uh, in the summer of 21. Uh, Zach's going to give us a little history on that, kind of why and how. And we're happy to talk about that, Zach, because uh, it's really a piece of really important legislation. But first of all, Happy New Year, because it's January. It is. And we've made the turn on the new year, and uh, here we are. So let's start. um, Zach, you're uh, in the tax practice. Let's start with this Minnesota pass-through entity tax. Tell us. A little bit about the beginning. Like, you know, I don't think Minnesota's alone on this. And this was orig- originated on past federal legislation. I think the federal legislation goes back how far? So this is
0: really, we're kind of going back to the passage of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which was late 2017, took a couple years for states to kind of get their you know bills in order, get it through the legislatures, get stuff up and running. But really, I guess the first thing I wanted to say is the PTE pass the entity tax, really this is a big win for taxpayers, and that's a fun thing to be able to tell because we don't always get to pass along a lot of wins, especially here in Minnesota.
1: Uh, But this is definitely something that really almost no downside. It's just a win. I would agree with that 100%. This is probably some of the best Minnesota legislation we've seen in maybe well a long time. I mean, I've been doing this a long time. And I will just point out that it's easy for Minnesota to do this because the truth is it's Minnesota neutral on tax. It is. This is purely reduction of federal income tax. I was thinking about that today earlier. That you know the legislators can you know pat themselves on the back and they did good on this because there was a limitation, but it doesn't change the Minnesota taxes. You're going to tell us why in a minute, but just I think we give them. Some credit. Yeah. yeah maybe, not, <laughs> maybe not full credit. It's easy to give away somebody else's money, yeah. the federal government's money, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And that, that was
0: kind of my second point was, you know, really when I try to explain this to clients, because it is, it's a departure from kind of our traditional pass-through entity. Oh, you know, I've got my S-Corp, I've got my partnership, they don't pay any tax. But yeah, really this is, it's Minnesota neutral. Or, you know, whatever state you're in, it's state neutral, you're saving federal tax dollars. And so at the end of the day, that's what we want to come back to.
1: So let's let's get back to it. Why was it put into place? Yeah.
0: So really to to get into that, we have to go back into our time machine a little bit to the passage of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, the Trump Tax Cuts, wherever you want to call it. So we're in 2017. And so really at that time to just walk it through kind of quickly, you know, you had your pass-through entity, it calculated, it's Federal taxable income that was going to get allocated and passed through to the owners. You know, so you own, you know, whatever percentage of that comes through, you get your K one. The income hits your federal return. You pay the liability on it. The income hits your state return. You pay the liability on it. And then at that point, that state tax that you paid is would be a deductible item on your federal return in the year that you paid it. Um, and that you know, pretty much with no limit from there would be deductible so that was a pretty nice position for taxpayers to be in but then the tax cuts and jobs act came in and said no we're going to cap that so we're going to you're going to take your basically your real estate taxes your withholdings that you're paying on your w-2 wages you know if your spouse is working they're having withholding taken out Um, the taxes that you're paying on your business income we're going to throw all that into a bucket you can deduct the first ten thousand of it everything else after that goes away
1: so like a lot of things in the federal and state tax law, it's deductible, but it's limited. Mm-hmm. And that's a misconception with some taxpayers. They'll ask me, well, hey, are my real estate taxes deductible? I already know that their Minnesota withholding is over $10,000. And so the true answer is yes, but it's limited. Right. This was the impetus for part of this pass-through resolution. So the mechanics on that is you fill up the tax bucket, limited to $10,000, but the PTE doesn't work in that bucket because why? Yeah. So, so that's kind of the position we were in. So
0: a lot of the high tax states, your California's, your New York's, your Minnesota's, you know, again, a couple years into it, taxpayers are saying, well, this is a raw deal. Like I'm, you know, my tax, my federal tax liability is through the roof now. So I'm going to look at moving to Florida or texas or you know the washington's the south dakotas maybe if you're in the midwest here um and you know that states just in general were hurting for revenue and they said okay we know we gotta we gotta make a change to you know not lose a big chunk of our business owner population so the pte tax is kind of the answer to it went through some iterations but essentially it's saying okay instead of passing through the income tax the state income tax liability on the business's income we're almost roughly going to treat it as if it was a a corporate entity paying a tax paying entity so we're going to shift that tax liability via an election back up to the entity level the entity will pay it and that becomes just a regular expense of the business you know same as your cost of goods sold your payroll taxes your advertising expense so you know, the, the funky term is the non separately stated deduction. So basically, it just, instead of flowing through, it becomes just a part of your net income. So you've got additional expense of the business. It reduces the income that flows to your federal return. And so you save the federal tax dollars.
1: So, So this reduces federal income tax. Yep. Because it reduces federal income taxable income. Yep. All right, so just quick math. If I have a taxpayer, let's just use round numbers that are that uh, has a typical $1 million pass-through income, their PTE would be roughly 9.8%. Let's just call it $100,000. Mm-hmm. That $100,000 would get recorded on the books of the pass-through. Yep. And if they're in the 37% tax bracket federal at the top, they might save themselves roughly $37,000. Mhm. Yeah, there's really back in the napkin math.
0: Yep. Yeah. And then, you know, there's the potential, it would reduce your income that's eligible for QBI, but yeah. So somewhere between 30 and $37,000. Yeah. Just generally flat.
1: So that's favorable tax legislation. And that's how the state, you know, they, one of the things that, that they pitched it as it's favorable, they're making the tax environment more favorable. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing. Like I say, I think it's one, one of the good tax provisions in most recent years that the state legislatures had done. So that's kind of the summary. That's its origin. There was a salt cap, uh, state and local income tax limitation. This is a workaround. More than one we might talk about this in a minute, but this is Minnesota's not the only states uh, how many states do we know? So currently? right currently?
0: Right now of you know, if we look at the fifty states plus Washington D C, there's nine of those states that don't have a state income tax. So it leaves us forty two. There's 36 states that have some sort of provision, and then there's three that have legislation somewhere in progress, so basically everywhere. So
1: you're current. Okay, that's good, good, good. I did my homework. You did your homework. Well, you're our, you're our pro guy on past serenity tax as a Director's Act, so you're you're the guy. All right, so let's talk about this. Who's eligible? So our listeners, hopefully we've piqued kind of their interest about good, favorable tax legislation. Who's eligible for this PTE? Yeah, so who's re- not?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so really, and again, we're going to be speaking mainly in a Minnesota context here because every state does it a little bit differently, a little bit different rules on how you make the election and whatnot. Um, but for Minnesota, um, kind of the first level, an eligible entity that can do this is really any sort of pass-through. So any, any partnership, any S-corporation, if you have an LLC that's taxed as a partnership or S-corporation, those are going to be the entities that can do it. So your C-corporations, no. Your single-member LLCs, no. Nonprofit, so really, uh, yeah, nonprofit. You wouldn't, but you're not paying tax anyway. In most, in most cases, but yeah, like your U um, bit wouldn't apply.
1: nonprofit. Yep, C corps, nonprofits, sole proprietors.
0: Yep. So really anything, anything filing a 1065 or an 1120s.
1: Now, just for our taxpayers, and I'm not going to go into this, but there's all kinds of different entities. Like there's housing cooperatives. There's like 1120HS. There's like all kinds of different entities.
0: Yeah, none of those would. None of
1: those would clarify. Again, just really anything. If your
0: entity files a Form 1065 as a partnership or an 1120S as an S corporation, you're in. You're in. And then from there, kind of the next level is um, looking to what's called a qualifying owner. And so really, um, that's going to be in general any individual, whether they're a resident or non resident of Minnesota or the given state. Um, and really, you're going to exclude, you know, if you have a you sort of pass through entity in your ownership structure if you have a c-corp in your ownership structure those are really going to get set off to the side we're not going to include the income that gets allocated to them in the calculation so really we're looking at individuals and then certain trusts that are eligible that are eligible and those are the ones that we're going to take their share of the income we're going to calculate the tax or use their income to calculate the tax liability
1: so just to make the math quickly Um, If I determine that I have a million dollars of taxable income and my PTE at gross is $100,000, but a C-Corp owns half of the partnership, then my PTE is only 50K. Right. Because only the individual, me, is eligible for the PTE. The C-Corp is not. Right. All right, so there's a kind of reduction there. So be careful. Taxpayers ought to be know that, that the calculation gets kind of bifurcated or it gets chiseled down based on who gets how much. All right, all right. Well that's interesting. Okay, that puts some math to it.
0: Yep. And it can you know, it really it, it varies on how it can get a little bit complicated a little bit quickly. But if you just you know, two man partnership, two individuals, Minnesota resident, very easy, very straightforward, very productive tax savings wise.
1: Yes, I definitely we we have we have thousands of them probably i mean it's most common entities in in our practice and uh, most small businesses are set up as either an s corp or a pro- some sort of llc sure.
0: or your single owner s corp oh uh, your single owner very S-Corp. simple yep very efficient tax saving
1: all right so so that's the eligibility anything else on eligibility it's that's pretty pretty high level but that's helpful because we know not everybody gets to play mm-hmm.
0: yeah the one thing i would say there um So for 23, we had Minnesota legislature pass their tax bill back in May and actually set up the regime so that we can do kind of that partial bifurcated election. It used to be if you had a non-qualifying owner for any period of time in your entity for the year, you were out. So again, that same example, two owners, an individual and a C corp for 2022, we couldn't do the PTE because you were a non-qualifying entity at that point, really.
1: So clarify for me, you have to make an election to do this and you make the election with the return right correct does do you have to is, does the rule of more than 50% still apply it does
0: still apply so really you're looking at you need more than 50% of the owners holding qualifying ownership to comply which basically would mean if you had you know say you know again our two partner partnership example one individual one c corp you as the individual would have to elect or say that you wanted to make the election. And there you have all of the qualifying ownership electing.
1: And it would have to be 51%? Yeah. It's more than. Yeah, more than 50%. So a 50-50 is disqualified if you've got a disqualified owner. Well, no, because you are. Ah, no, that's not right. Because you're the looking 50% at- pool, you're you just- have to go to the f- over 50% of, of the qualifying ownership. Right, there right? You go. So it's if you had... Two steps down.
0: You know, a lot of individuals, potentially you could have an issue, or if you had, you know, three partners, two individuals, and a C-Corp, you would need both individuals to sign off on it. Okay. To hit that.
1: Getting into the weeds a little bit, but it matters because you have to make the election, and the election is in the return, yep. typically.
0: And really, so the election... Minnesota was nice about that. Really, you elect by including the schedule PTE and supporting schedules with your return and paying the PTE tax on the return. There's no separate election form. Um, you can do it by the extended due date of the return. There's not a lot of hoops to jump through. There are some states, like New York has a deadline on when you make the election. Like Oklahoma has separate forms. So there's there's some states that make you work for it a little bit. Minnesota was pretty nice, and it's it's pretty straightforward.
1: So again, that's favorable, administratively easy, no, not many snags.
0: Yeah, it's, Minnesota did a
1: nice job with it it's very easy to understand
0: comply with not
1: a lot of ups. are there any so let's talk about are there any misconceptions that the public is hearing about that that we want to speak to I mean there's lots of detail on this but is there any misconceptions that you can think of that like I don't know what do you think
0: I think the biggest problem that I've seen with clients is just getting their heads around the idea that their pass-through entity is going to pay some income tax because that's a pretty radical departure from what we've seen in the past. Uh, you know, beyond that, you know, without getting too far into the weeds, maybe some issues with if, if you've got the non-qualifying owners or some non-resident owners, kind of making them whole. You know, if you do quarterly tax distributions and those things. But yeah, the biggest issue is just kind of working people through the mechanics of it, and it's it's just a little bit different than what they're used to. Um, I would say you know, once we talk it through, people get it and they see the benefit, but.
1: Well, it's like the income. So when you allocate on the K-1s for Minnesota, you allocate income out to a partner and then the PTE payment follows the income on the K-1. So once you show them that and you show them the kind of the dotted line, that's pretty easy to follow. All right. So let's let's do this. Then let's talk about the, the actual calculation. Um, simple high-level mechanics. So if I got a million-dollar federal taxable income, my PT is how much?
0: Yeah. So really, you kind of, you know, you do your federal return, figure your taxable income, you allocate it out to the partners, whether you've got qualifying, non-qualifying owners. Uh, you may have some adjustments, like if you take bonus depreciation at the federal level, Minnesota doesn't comply with that. It makes you take the deduction over a longer period. So Potential add back and subtraction there in subsequent years. Um, And really from there, um, the only other issue that you could potentially get into, um, if you've got an S corporation, um, you would have to apply apportionment. So that's basically looking at where your business is operating. You know, so say you've got a service business, you're based in Minnesota, you're doing the work out of Minnesota, but all of your clients are in Wisconsin. Really that income is going to get sourced to Wisconsin. And you're only going to be able to calculate your PTE tax liability on the income that's kind of people are getting benefit of in Minnesota. So that's another maybe pitfall that people don't always catch.
1: Is this a situation
0: where you would do PTE in Wisconsin then? Yes, most likely. Um, and Wisconsin has, you know, their calculations will be different, but they have a PTE system. Um, so yeah, we would recommend in most cases doing the PTE in Wisconsin and then you know, some mechanics, you'd get yourself made whole on the individual return. So I know
1: that you work with us on several larger files that have multiple states. So just so if you take a million dollars and so you're fi- say you're filing in 10 states and you have $100,000 of state taxable income allocated to 10 states, let's just say that there's $10,000 of Minnesota or a state tax applicable to those 10 states, each of them could do a PTE, potentially. Potentially, yeah. And there's mechanics around, you know, Oklahoma does it different than Wisconsin, that it does it different than Minnesota. But conceptually, with the exception of uh, what three states that are pending, yeah. mm-hmm. as you said at the top of this, um, all the states are in kind of on the workaround.
0: Yeah, it's it's very widespread. People were pretty quick to jump on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. You know, one of the larger files that we work on. For 2022, I think we did PTE in 14 different states, and we're you know we just finished our year-end planning with them, and I think we're adding another six. So it's that's the situation where it gets complicated.
1: And it's it's very valuable though because again, like we said, you know, um, if you're got a taxpayer in the 30 to 37 percent brackets, that moves that tax down in the current year. Yep. Okay. So <clears throat> the PTE, it's in Minnesota. It's how much? So you gonna- rate.
0: Flat nine point eight five percent,
1: and that's the what is that rate?
0: It's the top individual rate.
1: Oh, okay. So Minnesota's almost ten percent. Oh boy. Hmm. Minnesota taxpayers we love that. Yeah, it's good stuff. Just for, to, to be fair, Minnesota has a step chart. It starts at zero and ends at nine point eight. So you wind your way through. But the withholding calculation for the PTE is at the top rate which seems kind of odd but i suppose you got to set it somewhere
0: yeah i think it's really just simplicity
1: which is okay i mean we're not looking for more complexity because it just creeps in without even trying all right let's talk about deadlines and or um, filing requirement so what what would be it, what would be the deadline if you have a s corporation and they want to and they want to play in the pte
0: so really you would just need to again include that schedule and pay the pte tax Either by the original filing deadline of 315 for a given year or by the extended due date, which would be another six months out. So, really, you've got until 915 of the year following your tax year to decide if you want to do it. The one caveat there, um, kind of the IRS's hoop to jump through for playing in the space, is that your deduction is going to be limited to the cash that you actually pay inside the tax year. So, that's Something to watch for, you know. So again, our example: a million dollars of income, we're going to have a hundred thousand of Minnesota PTE liability. Really, we want to be paying, you know. Again, say we're talking about the twenty twenty three year that we just finished. To deduct that hundred thousand, you would need to pay that hundred thousand inside twenty twenty three,
1: and that's a cash basis taxpayer. And a lot of small businesses are cash basis taxpayers,
0: and that's actually for accrual basis as well. That's again, kind of the IRS's rule for playing the game here they said we're not going to challenge it but you've got to make the payments in this order and you know from there you know if you you know if you're just coming on board with the pte you make the payment here in 24 based on 23's income it's going to be deductible at some point it just won't offset your 2023 income
1: so the first year in the summer of 21 I know that our practice, we got on this right away, and we had a lot of people making estimate payments late in in twenty one, mm-hmm. and that accelerated that tax deduction. Yep. Um, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So really, part of our our year end process for our businesses and business owners is going in to look and say, "Oh, where's the income at? Okay, you know, run it through the calculation. We think your PTE li- liability is going to be X. Let's make a payment here before the end of the year."
1: Hence, why I I have always said, and I think a lot of people in the firm would agree that. That the um, the 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 months of November, December are really critical tax planning months, and it's just required that that you got to go see your accountants and you got to figure out where you sit Mm -hmm. because you can make changes and you can actually reduce your federal taxable income. Yep. So we've talked kind of about the the benefits of the of the PTE tax. Well, I think from my side as a business advisor, it's a cash flow issue. It reduces tax because admittedly it's a timing issue. Would you agree with that?
0: So it, I mean, the cash flow is going to be timing, but really this is going to be permanent tax savings for the individuals because really going through all these mechanics, we're taking advantage of a deduction that again, with the $10,000 South cap, that it would just be gone forever. So really... It's not something that's going to really reverse or you know pay back. We're not deferring taxes; we're permanently saving. Totally get tax it. And that's dollars.
1: because it would get caught in that bucket right. on the federal return. Yep, we're so just you got to you got to get it out of the individual return. You got to get it on the business return. So it's not a timing issue. So I misspoke on that. Okay, so any other benefits that we want to think about? Timing it matters. The ca- when I say the cash flow, what I mean is that you can reduce your federal tax due in March, April, and you know maybe that's $37,000, maybe you buy a piece of equipment in the first quarter, maybe you add some payroll, maybe you do something that is for your operations. Okay, that's cool. All right, so let's look forward f- for a moment then. What about, um, do we have any legislative changes, do you think, coming in the current year?
0: Not the current year, again, Minnesota's tax bill that passed in May of 2023 really cleaned up a, a lot of issues. Not even issues. Issues is too strong, so they did a pretty good job drafting it the first time, but cleaned up a couple things in the bill that really, again, very taxpayer-friendly. Um, again, you know, the ability to make that partial election, exclude our non-qualifying owners. And then the other real nice piece, so if you are in a partnership entity structure and you're a Minnesota resident, You know, we talked about that apportionment limit, you know, where's your income being sourced? Really, that goes out the window and you are going to calculate and pay your PTE tax on 100% of your income. And really, that's to kind of match how it's going to be treated on your individual return. You know, essentially, you know, Minnesota resident, Minnesota is going to tax your worldwide income. You know, so again, if we go back to our example where you had a lot of business sourced to Wisconsin, you know, you'd flow everything through. You'd file a Wisconsin tax return. You'd pay your Wisconsin tax. Minnesota would also tax that income, but then give you a credit for the Wisconsin tax paid. But Minnesota's rate is higher, so you'd lose out there. So really this is saying, okay, we recognize that in a partnership context, instead of having to apportionment, we know you're a Minnesota resident, we're going to tax everything anyway. Just pay the PTE tax on 100% of it. And that, again, generates more deduction, reduces that federal income more. Which is a really nice thing
1: but at the end of the day it all comes out in the wash
0: yeah so yeah for minnesota you're really you're going to pay the liability anyway you know we're not we're not changing anything with minnesota's calculation of taxable income tax liability it's just you know instead of maybe the individual paying it personally the business is going to pay it and you know really for a lot of our business structures they're the business owners are taking a tax distribution to pay those taxes so really at the end of the day it's not even changing really who's paying the tax it's just we're shifting it so it becomes a deductible item needless
1: the, to say there is some complexity about multi-state stuff here and you got to make sure that your your practitioners are they're knowledgeable so they, they should come and see you yeah they should I mean, come and see you
0: if it's multi-state it gets it gets to be a lot of record keeping and just it's a lot to keep track of but yeah no we're you know we've got a great team um it's a fun space so we're happy to get in there and dig into the weeds and
1: so given all this detail and all this complexity around the states can you can you share with us maybe a small case and a big case of big time benefit or what's typical what are you seeing typically and have you seen any huge savings for taxpayers
0: yeah no we've worked with a lot of taxpayers in this space you know i've got a construction client you know profitable but not huge and they're saving a couple thousand dollars a year doing it. Um, you know, going back to that example we talked about, we've got client kind of operating nationwide. We're doing PTE in, you know, 14 states for 22, and that saved them about $90,000 in federal do- tax dollars. Um, you know, kind of looking at similar amount for 2023. Um, That's you know, real money. Yeah, it's real money. Yeah. I mean, even at, even at the smaller end, it's almost essentially free money. You're not really... You know, it's the same liability to Minnesota. You're not changed anything there. You're just saving federal tax dollars, and it's not that complicated to comply with. Um, you know, in this space too, i you know, reviewed a return for a prospect client where the practitioner had, for whatever reason, chosen not to do it, and that was, you know, ten or twenty thousand dollars just gone.
1: And you can't go back and amend that, can you?
0: You have to make the election by the extended due date. So yeah, once that nine fifteen day closes. You're really
1: cooked. So, like I've told taxpayers, sometimes when I send them uh, information, like an envelope or an email, I said you got to open that stuff up because it's, sometimes it's timely or it's time sensitive. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Again, yeah.
0: and it's not not too hard to comply with,
1: but there is dates, and you can lose out on it. Um, and so, let me share with you something. So, on the accounting and auditing practice, and um, uh, there's discussion right now about the American Institute of CPAs is, are telling the auditing community that this PTE is technically a distribution on the financial statements. And so that is in contrast to what the federal government is allowing as an expense. So our practice is currently uh, evaluating that. We have a large audit and accounting practice. And so when it's material, we're going to be talking to the taxpayers and the clients about how they want it treated but uh, you just just understand for our listeners that technically the payment flows out to the partners in a pass through and that it could be argued that it is actually a distribution even though it's statutorily allowed as a deduction
0: yeah and it you know we haven't gotten too much in the mechanics of it but basically you know You'll pay the liability at the entity level, but that income still gets passed through to your individual return. But then Minnesota gives you a credit for the tax paid to kind of wipe out that double taxation. So I think that's where um, the ASCPA gets hung up. And you know, I can see technically you're really kind of paying the liability on the shareholders' behalf. So it's a little bit like a composite. Um, but we do have clear guidance from the IRS that says you know if you if you check these boxes, this is a deductible item on the return we're not going to challenge it you know and to that end you know the financial statements will do what you have to to comply with gap um you know we're still sorting it out a little bit but kind of at the end of the day i think for tax purposes we'll do some reclass entries maybe show it as an m1 adjustment a book to tax adjustment um at the end of the day for the tax return we're going to get to the position of this is a deductible item reducing federal tax.
1: And I think it's important if if our listeners are audit clients or they have audited financials or reviewed financials in their business and their practitioner is proposing that they treat it as a distribution, that it can be treated differently for taxes. And that's not uncommon. There's a lot of book tax timing differences that sometimes clients, they just go along with it. They say, yeah, okay, the rules are different for the financials than they are for the tax return. Here's another perfect example of that. So um, that, I think that that's kind of interesting because we got current clarification in the most recent year, 2023, just like the Minnesota legislature kind of um, uh, touched up the, the law, as some would say. Uh, the AICPA kind of touched up some of the regulations as well. So we're about at the end of our time typically. And um, so, Zach, um, it, what do you want to leave us with for comments on the PTE? Any kind of over arching theme that is, you know, good, good, good?
0: Yeah. I I mean, overall, it's good, good, good. You know, um, very powerful tool. We're saving real dollars, you know, even at the low end. It, I always say every little bit helps. You know, it's more money in your pocket. Um, you know So it's a win for taxpayers. Again, you know, we're going to go through some different mechanics, jump through some hoops. At the end of the day, Minnesota's getting the same amount of tax money they were going to get Whether you do it or you don't do it, it's just if we do go through this system, we save federal tax dollars. Um, You know, from there, I encourage people to reach out to us or whoever, you know, if you're happy with your current advisor, reach out to them. I mean, really, you know, we're looking at, you know, making that payment before the end of the year. Typically, you know, so reaching out to the CPA to calculate what that's going to be. You know, compliance if you're operating in multiple states. You know, looking at all the options, seeing if if PTE makes sense in those non resident states, we'll call them because there is different rules and some different things where it makes it not advantageous and you may want to avoid it. Um, you know, there's just talking to your CPA, there's some cash flow in there. Um, you know, it's a great opportunity if we do the business and the individual return to really look at everything across the spectrum. You know, how's the PTE payment? and the credit going to impact what they need to do for quarterly estimated payments you know for a lot of taxpayers we're seeing okay you know pt is going to kind of cover everything the business is your main source of income so you don't need to make a quarterly payment to minnesota you know so little adjustments like that that are going to kind of get everything on good footing tax wise
1: i've seen a lot of taxpayers now we go to just we do a we do a payroll we do withholding on the payroll and then we do quarterly estimates on the fed and then we cover the Minnesota is handled by the, the quarterly PTEs. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Once you get the transition, once you jump over the fence, it sort of makes sense. Yep. And there's 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 some rhythm and cadence to the payments. So it makes sense. So with that, I, I think my last comment would be, I think this is a win for the taxpayers. Minnesota did us a favor along with the other 40 three states or however 36 or 36 whatever most of the nations on board that's that has state taxes i wonder how long the federal government will let this go
0: that's going to be a really interesting <laughs> thing because the salt cap you know just as legislation stands today the salt cap expires at the end of 2025 which is kind of when all those temporary items in the tax cuts and jobs act expire i th- it's going to be a. Um, you know for minnesota purposes if the salt cap goes away the pte system goes away you know and then you'd be able to duct it over there and kind of end up at the same place but i think it's going to be really interesting the fights that are going to happen over the next couple years um i guess you know stay tuned a, we'll see yeah who knows where it's going to go i would have a hard time believing the salt cap will completely go away so i think we'll have pte for a while but who knows
1: Taxes are likely going up yep. in future years. Well, with that, Zach Dio, our director of uh, taxes with Olsen Thielen here. Um, thank you for coming in. You're a repeat uh, uh, guest. We appreciate you coming in. Very informative stuff. Uh, we all rely on you for your expertise. My name's Tom Pesh and we're happy to have you. So yeah.
0: it's great to be back. I was honored to be the repeat guest.
1: Ah. Well, we like people that know what they're doing.
0: <laughs> Didn't screw it up too,
1: too badly okay. the first time. All right. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, so. Tom. Check out all of our Q&A over coffee episodes on the Olson Thielen website. This is also the place you can go to be notified of any new episodes and submit your suggestions for future topics. You can also find all of our podcast episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon. Be sure to follow Olson Thielen on LinkedIn, Instagram,
1: Facebook, and Twitter.